Once Upon a Time, Season 6, Episode 10 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap. And I am joined by someone who just got knighted. We just came back from his lavish ceremony. Please welcome the newly dubbed Sir Kurt of Clark. Kurt, how are you? Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And as a token of my thanks, I present to you the key to my apartment. Wow, in such an ornate box and everything, you really go all out. <laughs> yeah, I, I try, I try. So we have indeed reached the winter finale of Once Upon a Time. Not exactly at the halfway point, but there certainly are a lot of interesting threads left open for what's to come in March. I want to take this opportunity to talk about the episode and also kind of ruminate overall on what we thought about these first 10 episodes of the season and possibly what we might see moving forward. But from an overall perspective, Kurt, what did you feel about this winter finale and how does it compare to you with the other half season finales that we've had the past few years? It definitely was markedly different. I think we knew coming into it and coming into this season that you know, where we leave things off in December is probably going to feel a little bit different than in previous seasons. I think, you know, it, you, you talked about when we first kicked things off this year that uh, it's really going to be more of a, you know, 22, 23 episode story arc instead of two half stories where they feel compelled to wrap things up. And I think they, and we talked a bit about last week how we thought things were going to potentially go this week, especially having seen the previews. And I think we did a good job of calling it that there's probably going to be some pretty big cliffhangers that play directly into the storyline that we have been experiencing up to this point. Nothing that's setting up something completely completely new i mean there's a bit of newness in terms of the whole uh regina and emma cliffhanger that's left there but we didn't get things fully resolved i actually did think at one point we were going to have the the fight between uh emma and hooded figure uh about halfway through the episode i thought it was actually going to potentially happen and it might get wrapped up uh, sooner rather than later but we received a treat uh a treat yeah a tweet from our from rachel uh, which I think does a good job of encapsulating how I feel about this episode. So it says, I like where we ended up, but not how we got there. Last night's episode was a hot mess. Um, I don't know if I agree that it was a hot mess, but it did. It was very scrambled and um, uh, uh, it was a very scattered episode, I think, that ended up in a place that I was very interested in. See, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, though, because I think for all of the scattered comments you might make towards it we stayed fairly streamlined there was obviously some bell and rumple side action that we're going to talk about but otherwise everyone else was pretty much in the same realm i would actually say i'm less optimistic about the ending than you and rachel seem to be i'm sure we're going to talk about it but i am not a fan of regina and emma staying behind in i think what once upon a wiki is calling like the wish realm this alternate universe I'm very unhappy about seeing Robin Hood back. <laughs> I'm I'm interested in seeing what this whole Gideon, now adult Gideon, which is going to be a weird tra- time travel stipulation on its own, but having him in storybook is going to be about. Having our heroes separated is something that we've already had in season two, so I feel like it's sort of well-worn territory. I wasn't... Maybe I wasn't as affronted by what was going on in the episode because I thought, okay, something's going to happen in the end that's really going to be a game changer. And we got the big Gideon reveal, but then once that portal closed, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I really want to see what happens when we come back in March because I hope we're not going to stay in two worlds for much longer. I Yeah, I didn't 
I guess my assumption is it's going to be maybe a couple episodes. I don't think we're going to see, uh, uh, you know, whether you call it the the, the wish realm or um, Enchanted Forest virtual reality or however you kind of or, want to uh, tar- Yeah, Once Upon a yeah. Time's version of Flashpoint, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I also hope that we don't spend too much time there. I guess the whole scattered thing to me was just like the whole thing about like charmings and hooks plan like to get the lamp and what they're going to do about it and regina like the sudden realization that regina can make a wish there's when i say scattered i meant like it seems like all these disparate plot points kind of popped up from nowhere and i i i was just very very confused about how you know you can't we're not going to be able to steal the lamp from regina or from the evil queen because we're too overpowered because she can overpower us and charming does it really easily um <laughs> yeah we, we, we can we can get to some of that but the i i think we actually talked a little bit last week about um i think i think i one of us mentioned it might have been me saying you know we've got this adult actor cast as gideon i wouldn't and i think i, said, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something where along the lines of the magic that had aged that had uh progressed uh bell's pregnancy really quickly what if there was something that did something similar to gideon and he grows up quickly and he and it does say that you know the black fairy's realm as uh, you know, time doesn't work normally there and we ended up actually getting that so um that's, I think, uh, something that we can put a feather in our caps for. Yeah, and we can also possibly talk about the fact that the Black Fairy is obviously playing a much bigger part in maybe what's to come in season, I don't even want to call it 6B as much as I'll just say the continuation of season 6, which, again, goes against what I think I had said last week of, oh, I'm sure they'll bring this back once or twice, but it won't become a big old thing, and it's about to become <laughs> a big old thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I feel like we're just like we're talking about like just just kind of a little bit scattered, like the episode was. But it's uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not we see the if we see much of the Black Fairy or we see more of Gideon as the patron uh, or of the Black Fairy or I, whoever the the apprentice of the Black Fairy or you know. Who do we see more of? Do we do we actually see the Black Fairy anymore? It'll be I'm I'm wondering. All right, so let's actually try to yeah. not be as scattered as let's let's bread, rain it all in breadcrumbs uh, leading to a witch's house, and let's try to get into the winter finale recap itself. And as much grousing as I did last week about how the Evil Queen storyline was pretty much running itself into the ground, we got a revelation pretty much right off the bat here, Kurt, for all the gloating of, hey, Regina, you know, you can't hurt me because you essentially be hurting yourself. Emma discovers that, hey, this magic sword I just found can, in fact, not only harm the Evil Queen, but only the Evil Queen. And this is really going to be the spurring action that lights a fire under everyone's asses to actually go after her this time. Yeah, I think Regina is very surprised that well, both Emma and Regina were surprised that Regina's cheek wasn't damaged when Emma kind of lunged at uh, at at the queen with the sword, and I think everybody was kind of st- in stunned silence there for a moment that it actually ended up working, and you know, and you know, kudos to the queen that she you know gathered her wits a little bit quicker than Emma did and managed to poof herself out into uh, back along Main Street before Emma was actually able to make some sort of fatal blow with the sword. Yeah. Which would, again, 
you wonder if that would happen because as Emma has alluded yeah. to so many times with this prophecy, you know, the details can change, but the fate is ultimately the same. So you would wonder if they would actually get to that point. But maybe the fact that Emma can wield the sword and the sword can harm the queen. Granted, it, we found out it's not the queen that's under the hood. But this at mm. least is something that can actually harm her. Because I feel like for nine weeks leading up to this point, they found no way to harm her. And so I feel like they've had no incentive to actually go after her. She's essentially been just been trying to cause chaos and they haven't been able to do much about it but now they actually have a literal weapon that they can use against her yeah it's a uh, yeah, plus two long sword of queen slaying that they managed to stumble upon uh, and um, they have advantage then they have advantage oh god bless you mike Blum. um the but the, the other thing is also like i began to re-examine that flash forward uh you know prophetic vision that she has like i start wondering is that potentially the queen taking on the guise of Emma for some reason? Like we've we've seen that yes, she can transform herself into Regina, but she also transformed herself into Doctor Hopper at one point. So is there you know some reason why the queen is disguising herself as Emma, and for some reason that's what we actually see happening in the in that in that flash that flash forward? So we, we lot, lot, still lots of options on the table for what ends up happening. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. We'll put a sword in yeah. that as it is. Uh, but as I said before, Emma uh, Emma decides, okay, this is the time to really go after the evil queen. In true Once Upon a Time fashion, someone is asked to stay behind. In this case, it is Regina because they figured you really can't do anything because you're not actually able to harm her. Emma, Hook, and David are walking through Main Street. They get drawn in through Jasmine's cries, which I'm still a little confused about because considering she's holed up in Granny's, they were able to pretty clearly hear her when she's inside a building screaming for help. It, <laughs> I like. I think Granny's closes at like seven p.m. and then anybody can pretty much do whatever they want. It's like kind of first come first serve. Like we were practicing in the gymnasium first uh, drama club, so you have to leave. I mean, it's like the the queen wants to stage her whole kidnapping ritual in Granny's. Uh, so you know, any portals that are going to come in, they have to come in later. Uh, but yeah, yeah, portals. Do you have an appointment? <laughs> yeah, sorry, you have to. You have to wait till the next day. Um, yeah, that, that was. That, it, it was kind of a strange place for a kidnapping. And so it's also interesting that this whole idea, this big twist that oh, the evil queen, I guess, procured the lamp from Jasmine, and now she's the genie's master. You would think they would show that on screen. Yeah. That's an important enough event that they would want to at least show it in like a thirty-second snippet, right? You'd think, um, you know, given how easily the the lamp can be taken from somebody, as we see later in the episode, maybe it was very uh, uh, anticlimactic. <laughs> now, I can't remember. I know it was in the next time on from last episode, but in the previous on from this episode, did it show Emma's comment to Aladdin in the middle of the season of like, hey, sometimes I wish I wasn't the savior? I don't remember if that was in the preview or like in the previously on. Um, because I'm yeah, because I mean, sure. obviously, Evil Queen is going to reference that one thing that she said flippantly and use it to complete to send her into another realm completely. But it is odd to me if the show chose to not make people remember it, considering that like in Game of Thrones, for example, people will say, "Oh, I'm spoiled to know that this character is going to be of significance in the episode from season two because they introduced him in a previously on episode in season six. Yeah, it would have been good to have that tea. But again, if you tee that up, is that I say on the one hand, does that kind of give things too much away as you then go right into the episode? But on the other hand, 
they gave it pretty much all away in the next on Once Upon a Time yes. <laughs> uh, session. Very true. Um, Did you think that Evil Queen was, I wouldn't say lampshading here a bit, but at least really vocalizing how overpowered she is by telling them, like, hey, just so you remember, I hear literally everything. So and a flippant comment that you make on the outskirts of town that you think nobody can hear, I heard you the entire time. Yeah, maybe she was actually just hiding behind a tree at the, around there. Like she's she's, she's kind of playing them. Um, we we did we did get a question from Ariel on uh, on Twitter asking why didn't Jasmine rub the lamp as soon as Aladdin chose to go back in? You know, back in uh, Shay Charming uh, when 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 they rub the lamp and the those little you know bracers just fall out and Aladdin chooses to take on the guise of the genie. Why didn't she just rub the lamp then? Uh, what, what do you think that is, Mike? <laughs> plot convenience I mean, that's probably <laughs> well, the, the best the best solution i would say well i, I see i'm one i'm wondering if that she's been through experiences with genies and wishes before and she knows how carefully crafted the phrasing have to be has to be so i think maybe at that point it's just like okay we've got the lamp we've got a genie now let me get some thoughts of phrasing this wish perfectly that's the only reason i can think of like why she didn't immediately choose like you know Maybe they needed supplies. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's. But I, I think it would have been interesting, like you said, to see that scene where uh, where the queen gets the lamp from uh, Jasmine. Although I think it's pretty much Jasmine set it down, went to the bathroom to wash her hands. Queen appears, takes lamp. I'm guessing it's something as simple as that. So Emma is whisked away, and so are we into this alternate wish realm do you have a a cute phrase a cute colloquialism for us to describe this realm kurt off the top of your head in my notes i've just been using alt reality it's not cute by any means Um, (laughs) i think it's pretty cute alt is a nice cute abbreviation uh it's a little the hipster of me i guess alt or we could call it like wishy brook (laughs) wishy brook i like wishy brook (laughs) Okay. <laughs> wishy brook sounds like i don't know some sort of like japanese folktale like beware the wishy brook in the well <laughs> it's something that was like on uh nickelodeon on sunday mornings uh nick jr um it's time for wishy brook was it kissy fur something i'm sure there was like a kissy face there's like a kissy fur uh uh kids t- anyway uh, wishy. No, Brooke, let's get. Yes. Let's talk about something mature, Kurt. Let's yes. talk about a land of princesses and fairy tales. <laughs> so, what did, what did you think about the first time we really jumped into this wishy brook realm here? <laughs> I will say, there was a reason that Jennifer Morrison was cast to play Emma Swan. I I love Jennifer Morrison to death. I don't know if she can do the fairy tale princess well. Yeah, I had a hard time buying Princess Emma. Um, I agree. And, and and I think a, a lot of it is, um, it's just com- we're just so used to kick-ass Emma, bounty hunter Emma, savior Emma, um, that this is just like such a departure from that. And I, so I don't know how much of it is the fact that just this is not a there's a reason she wasn't cast in a role like this. I, I don't know if any amount of acting on her part could have made this enjoyable <laughs> yeah i mean um, it, it, yeah. it's just weird to see her act like snow white essentially i think jennifer goodwin did a great job of kind of playing both the badass elements of snow white and the more innocent aspects emma is not that jennifer morrison yeah. has a furrowed brow as her go-to expression that doesn't really work when you're a la di da everything is great 
princess. So it really did not yeah. connect for me. But it was cool to see the Enchanted Forest once again. What did you think about the uh, the old age makeup slash performances of Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas this episode? Um, first of all, Granny didn't age a bit. <laughs> I'm no, gonna... <laughs> she's looking fantastic. I think I think she you know probably drank like an immortality potion at some point and is just like perennially at that age. Immortality. Yes, exactly. Yes. That brand immortality. Um, I, I can't. I take, can't take credit from that. From a, a series of books I've, I've read. Um, but the yeah, it's it's like are we do we are we going to do power rankings of David's hair <laughs> like yeah, throughout the ages? And I thought it was better than uh, oh anything mul- is better. David's head could have been on fire like Hades with the horrible effects, and that would still be loads better than his weird shepherd shoulder David. length hair. Fabi, Fabi, David. Yeah, Fabi? Uh, yeah. That's it, always bad. I, I was, I was fine with it. Um, when we like the right when we we kind of flash over to Emma, uh, in the castle, I immediately did some mental recalculation of the family tree and and relative distance from people on said tree. I was like, okay, so if she's grown up here now, that means that you know, charming and snow were never really in stasis in Storybrooke, so. They're going to be old. Yep, they're older, kind of older. Makeup, makeup, be older. It was very obviously makeup, be older. I think what would have been a really daring move was like, let's actually find actors and actors. Like just we've we've had young Snow as a kid. Mm. Let's let's find old Snow. Let's find the people who kind of do the actors and actresses that look like Snow and Charming. You know, uh, you know. 30 some years down the road i think that could have been a really interesting choice rather than let's make up these people because i think trying to make somebody who's in their 20s or 30s look like they're in their 50s or 60s it very rarely goes well Mm -hmm. Um, looking at you epilogue to the last harry potter film (laughs) exactly so so yeah but, but you know what it's I didn't really expect more than what we got, so I wasn't disappointed. That was that's the that's the key to happiness, Mike, is low expectations. Absolutely. Uh I think the kingdom has low expectations though of their newest knight. So Henry <laughs> is a part of this reality. He's about to become a knight. Kurt, is the enchanted forest screwed now because of their security? I you know what, I had to give up some applause to Jared Gilmore. I think he he played it with the seriousness that it was due. It was more believable for me than Emma as princess. Um, I'm not saying that he was full on badass. I'm not giving him that. Uh, but he, I think he carried himself with the demeanor uh, that he should in that role. So I I don't think I was as uh, down on it potentially as as you were. Um, he was I just, getting. I just, a, think, I just think he's just such a little goober. You know, like how is he going to defeat the monster? Show them '80s films. Like well, it just seems, it just seems weird to me. Well, the, to be fair, I mean, the scene ends with them walking away and Snow White telling him, "You know, put, you know this is put the sword away." With this family is actually done with fighting. So I don't think anybody. I think it's largely ceremonial, in, ceremonial in role and title. It didn't seem you know, they've they've banished the queen. That doesn't sound like there's actually been any fighting going on. Um, and so I think it's fine at that point to, you know, let, just just like now uh, in in England, when you knight somebody, uh, you know, it's, you know, when they knighted Alfred Hitchcock, it wasn't because he was expected to go out and fight anything. I don't think, you know, so I, I think that uh, I think that we're fine here. 
something that is not fine in this universe, at least not by my standards. When I saw Henry, I'm like, okay, so is Neil still Henry's father? He is, and he's still dead, Kurt. (laughs) Why could they bring back freaking Robin Hood, but Neil died in vain? Um... I, I don't have an answer for you there. I was curious how he did die, though. That would have, that would have been a part of the story I would have liked to have seen. Um, I thought it was a nice. I thought it was a nice portrait, though. Uh, that was a very that nice was, portrait. Yeah, um, nicer than that strange statue that looked like it was carved out of butter in the enchanted forest. <laughs> Yeah, why would they put that, like, it wasn't even near a village or anything. It was just a random statue in the middle of the woods. Who's enjoying that? Yeah, it was like, and it wasn't like, you know, you know, like scenic point, drive the, you know, uh, turn off here to see. It, it was it was kind of off the road by quite a ways and um, very clean for where it was. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, it, it would have it been nice for a little bit of a, a Balefire slash Neil cameo. Um, I don't know why they uh, had to have him dead. He could have just been off screen. Maybe that would have been a little bit too suspicious. Um, or maybe there's it was, or, or maybe literally it's what would happen. Like how would the dominoes have fallen differently if X had happened instead of Y? And maybe just all the, the way the fates played out, Neil was always doomed to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like. If we're talking about like our alternate universe, no matter what universe you're in, this event has to happen. Unfortunately, Neil has to die in every iteration of a universe. This could be the Rumplist timeline. <laughs> that could that could be what we call uh, this early contender for the hashtag there. But I absolutely <laughs> love. Well, speaking of Rumple, let's let's start to get into his and goal his and Bell's subplot in this episode. It's the return of the Magic Globe. I feel like we haven't seen this since like season two. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, if you remember, this is the one that Cora brought over to kind of entice Gold by saying, hey, I have this globe that allows you to locate anyone in the world. This is where we can find Balefire. They used it at the end of that season when Henry gets kidnapped by Greg and Tamara, those lovable characters, and that's <laughs> when they find out that they took him to Neverland. I think those are the only few uses. I'm pretty sure it's exclusive to season two only. <laughs> and... uh yeah, it's like Neverland's also not in that globe, so it really isn't that useful of a tool, apparently. Well, good uh, good on them for at least, and I always commend the show for this, for like deep, reaching back into their mythology and bringing up something that they've already created rather than saying like, oh, yes, now Rumpel is using the magic hacky sack, and the hacky sack will fall in the direction of what you're searching for. They didn't have to come up with something out of their ass. They already had it. Counterpoint, it is like the sixth iteration of a locator spell that we've seen in the show <laughs> that is true it, it's basically it's like well if you pretty sure that they're going to be within walking slash jogging distance of you do it this way but if you think they might be in another time zone or continent or biome uh use this globe well what would they use though to search for gideon considering that they really don't yeah. have anything of his aside from I guess his DNA theoretically. Well, no, actually, that that's true, and I I did kind of like the the workaround of well, technically, Gideon is the byproduct of me and Bell. So if we if I kind of like you know combine our you know use bo- use your know, hair from both of us in a in a spell that will with a, he he's the only thing that is like a combination of the two of us. So I thought that that was actually kind of a clever uh, way to 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 work the the location in the globe. So but it about- didn't work. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's talk about this Regina and Evil Queen confrontation scene. Regina said in a previous scene, all right, I know how to get her. I know how to, you know, sucker punch her. First, we have this weird relationship with the Evil Queen and Aladdin. I know that Regina brought up in a previous episode, like, you're only going after gold because you are you have a hole in your heart from missing Daniel. But I feel like there's a difference between that and the Evil Queen essentially wanting to bonk anything that moves at this point. I think Aladdin has summed up, in a single word, all of the Evil Queen's advances on any characters this entire season. And that was, ew. <laughs> Yes, again, very like modern of Aladdin, but I felt like it was yeah. not entirely out of place. I no, agree. No. I think it was a great statement about just this this weird romantic attitude that this character has had since she's come about. Yes, yeah, but it was yeah, it was it was it was kind of creepiness. I I, I did uh, I, I as much as we mocked on his uh, seemingly Scottish accent when we first uh, met him, uh, I'm 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 I'm. I'm getting on the Aladdin train. I'm, 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 I approve of Aladdin as a character in our season. <laughs> Though, again, we'll see what involvement him and Jasmine are going to have later on, especially that yeah. it seemed like we've tied that up with a neat little package, but I'll admit there was a second when I thought Agrabah was going to be involved in some other way entirely. We might not be done with them yet. I'm sure we'll talk about that oh, yeah. in you know, our, our what's to come in the second half of the season. Did you think before this scene there was a possibility that, oh, yeah, since Regina is essentially evil queen, she could take the lamp and be the same master pretty easily. Not, no, no, definitely not. I did, I did not and, either, to be honest. And and honestly, I think, I don't know if Regina was 100% sure it was going to work either. <laughs> but it's like, you know, fake it till you make it. So she's like, just, and, and she's lucky that it worked. Or is she? Or is she? Yeah, well, because we don't really know if it did actually work. Because again, at the end of this episode, she's not back where she's supposed to be. Right. So you could say that the evil queen's plans technically worked, and she, she actually furthered her plans by having Regina poof herself away into another realm. Right. So let's talk about that. Regina winds up in Wish Wishy Brook here. I actually enjoyed Regina a lot in this universe because it was kind of cool now to see the exact opposite outcome right we've seen in so many flashbacks the evil queen terrorize the enchanted forest it's fun to see regina now in there presumably separated from the aspects of the evil queen and now how that relationship changes to each and every character i thought it was obviously some comic potential specifically with the dwarves but it's an interesting thing that i'm assuming we're going to keep exploring in the second half of the season yeah i hadn't thought of that in terms of how this impacts like the next several episodes uh, that we look at next year. Um, I guess I enjoyed it to an extent, but there were, I think two things that I couldn't get past. One is, you know, Regina's pretty intelligent. Uh, At least, you know, that's how I kind of chalk her up. And I think she's going into a situation where um, she's going back to what she, I was surprised that she acted as forthright as she did when she saw, for instance, the dwarves. Like, I don't know how much of it was what I knew versus how much she knew, but I thought that, like, she would have, um, if she realizes she's in the Enchanted Force and she sees the dwarves, at least a part of her had to think, wait, they probably don't know me as Regina. They they may see me as the Evil Queen, and I'm going to have to kind of, you know, think about that. But she completely uh, ignores that that fact. The other thing is... Throughout the episode, 
she keeps saying this is just an illusion, this isn't real. And I wasn't too sure about that. Like again, if this is a situation like that I didn't necessarily get the impression that Emma was just kind of living in a hallucination. I got the impression it was kind of like a flashpoint alternate timeline where these people are real and have feeling. Mean, it's like Westworld. I mean, these are, you know, these these hosts are are feeling and you can't really treat them like they're not. Um, so you're saying Regina was trying to awaken yes, Emma to, exactly. for her to, to, to get to the center of the maze? Emma was our Dolores, and you know Regina would be William in this situation instead of the... the uh, no spoilers! The, no spoilers, Kurt! Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I was staying spoiler-free, walking the line there. Um, but, but yeah, so it, it surprised me the extent that we, we heard repeatedly through the episode of this isn't real, this is an illusion, that she did, that she felt fine with what she do, eventually does to uh, King Charming and Queen Snow. Um, it's, eh, they're not real. Uh, so I, I didn't, I'm like, you better be hoping they're not. I mean, you don't have any idea how this is going to potentially impact the people back in Storybrooke. I mean, that was something, I mean, magic is an imperfect science. Um, so I think you just had to be, I would have been more careful about the consequences of what I was doing than I think Regina was. And that had me a little bit worried. I'd agree with that. I think that a having a brazen attitude to come out and embrace dwarves, you know, she might not have assumed I'm back in the enchanted forest, but she would assume like, Hey, these dwarves are dressed up. Remember that I look and slash am the evil queen. I might be mistaken for someone else that should have at least crossed her mind. Yeah. It's still confusing to me as to whether this is, a bona fide fantasy or whether we should treat this as some form of reality. It turns out to be the latter, but yeah, Regina definitely isn't making things better. You know, the thing that wakes Emma up isn't Regina constantly telling her that this isn't real. It's right. when things become very real for a second. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I think she's slowly over the course of this episode uh, gets a sense for the situation that she's found herself in, like step one, dwarves kind of freak out uh, and okay, okay, the, you know, the war isn't over. The queen's no longer banished. And, you know, she, she finds Emma actually relatively quickly. When you think about like, you know, how long it might've potentially taken her. Definitely. So let's talk about the scene between her and Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, before we do, I just want to point out fun little Easter egg of Emma humming, Someday my prince will come from Snow White as she's uh, as she's picking flowers. I think that's just a n- nice little Easter egg for us Disney fans out there. Yeah. So nice. let's go from the uh, bright flowers into the dank dungeons. Uh, maybe it's because we haven't seen Rumpelstiltskin in a while, but did he seem yes. like extra cre- golem like uh, yeah. scene? Ding ding ding! He was he was Perfect. he was he was full Smeagol. <laughs> yeah, which again, like I. The associations are definitely there, but I feel like it's been a while since I've been like, wow, he really is, you know, channeling Andy Circus there. He was really snivelly, groveling, high-pitched, raspy voice. He even refers to something as his precious. Not like literally, oh, my precious, but he's like, my, my, my precious, uh, my my precious queen or my precious some he he uses precious as an adjective instead of a noun but the moment he said my precious uh future or whatever it was that he described as his precious i was like oh that's just like way too much <laughs> <laughs> it's a little uh, but steering a little too far into the curve there yeah. what did you think about this scene slash i guess i call it a negotiation between these two parties um I like that you know, he, as much as Regina seems to be, well, nothing here is going to matter. Uh, she, 
she was still nicely cautious, uh, I think appropriately cautious about getting into a deal with with Rumpelstiltskin. Um, and, and I think that he's, he's good, like, you know, steering full tilt into it. Like, you know, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. If, you know, none of us exist, you're just making a fake deal with a fake me to get me out of a fake cell. It wasn't, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but he does, you know, he, he mentions, you know, he knows that, uh, Emma is the savior. Uh, he he knows of of you know how you get back to Storybrooke, so he knows of Storybrooke. So there's little bits and pieces of information that he has in terms of like you know the, what names of things and um, and he does make a good point. It's like okay, you might be able to get Emma back on your own and to kind of convince her that she's the savior, but at that point, how do you plan on getting back to you know your Storybrooke? Um, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily at that point still would have made a deal with him because it seems like there's lots of ways to do portals and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit curious as to her finally unleashing him from the cell at the end of the uh, this the scene. And you have to wonder, is part of Rumpelstiltskin's encounters with the seer, which kind of allowed him to be able to have this omniscience to begin with, does that also include alternate universes at this point, considering he knows what Storybrooke is as well? And if he's going to become a major character in this other storyline with Emma and Regina in the second half of the season, do you think that's going to come into prominence more? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I had thought, actually, that he was going to... um like get in the portal. Yes, yes, and that we are going to potentially have kind of gold versus rumple. So like just the and, just and so, when we were done with Evil Queen versus Regina, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I was kind of curious how that was going to potentially go, um, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure if they're necessarily going to be antagonistic or friendly rivals or or what in the in the you know enchanted forest i mean emma's been to the enchanted forest before but if 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 anything she's like you know i'd say been a uh kind of the role like an extended tourist i don't know what you would necessarily call it she hasn't i wouldn't say she doesn't have she was she she was backpacking exactly she was she was staying at hostels um she she had something to do before she, she wanted to do something before she started savior college um but but yeah, so I, I I am from from that perspective looking forward to a little bit of Emma in in uh, in the Enchanted Forest. But we'll we'll kind of talk when we get to that point about you know the the failure of the portal. Yes, but first let's get to the knighting ceremony. Love the pilot parallels here, yes. Kurt. We have Docs yelling, "It's the Queen!" Very similar lines going on. It appears that Regina was doing this from muscle memory what did you think about this idea in general of regina saying okay i'm essentially going to incite emma to become a hero by dressing up like the thing i hate the most right now and trying to incite some sort of violence in the community i actually liked it i i I kind of enjoyed seeing regina posing as the queen and being faux evil uh in terms of Gosh, if only like, there was a lot of you know side whisp- like you know stage whispers here in terms of if only there was a hero who could take care of this wink wink nudge nudge. I I even really liked the whole thing when when, when Henry 
goes in, like enters the throne room for the knighting ceremony. And you see like, you know, the proud mom at the high school play kind of like peering through the curtain, you know, you know, trying to get, stick her head through the door and see as he enters. I, I thought it was funny because you've got her dressed up as the evil queen, but she's completely acting out of character. Um, I've, I actually enjoyed her masquerading as the evil queen and trying to be more evil than she actually is. I thought it was kind of funny. And I agree, and it, it might be something interesting for the second half of the season as well. As much as I'm not a big fan of the two of them staying in Wishy Brook, it might be fun to have her continue to have to masquerade to be the evil queen, but also possibly change the public opinion on the evil queen as well, of her just sort of letting the guys drop and saying, like, I'm just going to be a nicer person, more of a humanitarian, and as a result, everyone's like, oh, I guess she's not so much a tyrant anymore. Well, except for the fact that Henry knows she killed the king and queen. <laughs> Like yes. the evil queen has the evil queen has never really been successful in any of her major plans to like do away with anybody. So uh I I I feel like that's going to be it's going to be really really difficult for it would it would be like you know let's you know what let's embrace Negan. You know, it's just not one of those things that that people are really going to be doing anytime in the foreseeable future. Well, speaking of plans that go wrong let's talk about david's attempted ambush of the evil queen back in the mayor's office kurt give me your like running commentary as you're watching these scenes develop i i it it wasn't really a failure i mean that's the thing he they're like well, we, we I, I want to go get the lamp. Well, you can't go get the lamp because we're overpowered. So he shows up to the mayor's office and, and you know, she kind of lunges at him and he ducks around her and grabs the lamp. And, yeah, he has the lamp now. And he rubs it. David, are you my new master? And, like, you know, smug face McSmuggalot's like, yes, yes, I am. I'm your and master. I'm, I'm, I don't remember exact Aladdin logic from the movie, but I'm assuming it's the same case, right? That like, if you're in possession of the lamp, you're the new master, and the three wishes reset. It's like the hidden immunity idol. It's it's like I think as long as you're holding on to it, or it's like I think whoever, obviously Aladdin appears when you rub the lamp. Whoever rubbed the lamp is the master. I think that that might be the way it goes. But he got the the thing from her. So easily. Yeah, I I was going to ask you about that. Well, first of all, with your hidden immunity. Uh, analogy i'm sure evil queen would love someone to pull one out of their crotch so thank god you just had to get that in mike bloom yeah i i I had to it's timely it's timely um but do you think that the evil queen was do you think it was out of character for her to be so susceptible to david mocking Mm -hmm. her that she's so ego driven that she allows herself to get flustered and as a result david easily grabs the lamp no, I don't think that was out of character at all. Just as like, I don't think it was out of character for her to then bait David and have him kind of put the lamp down on the desk and then charge her with a sword and get force choked. I mean, lucky for him that Hook and you know Jasmine, Jasmine end up showing up and jumping around yeah, her. And wait, then we wait, wait, do- wait, wait. Okay, so what was his plan? <laughs> like he says, okay, go to the sheriff station. He didn't need to say go to the sheriff station. He could have just said, hey, I'm going to go take care of something. I'm going to go get some milk. <laughs> Be right back. He didn't need to, unless his plan was like, I'm going to take the lamp immediately to the sheriff station and we'll move forward from there. I don't understand that part of the plan. That's true. There was literally like a 22 second scene of David's late. <laughs> yep. And then, I don't know where that came from either. Um, I mean, other, other than the fact that like, I don't know if 
they knew he was up to something. He, they didn't make him explain, I'm going to go get the, the lamp because they would have tried to stop him. Luckily, they somehow figured it out. But uh, yeah, like she. No, remember, you know, Kurt, this is once upon a time, the show where nobody tells anyone else <laughs> anything that they're actually doing. Yeah. Um, I, I did find it interesting. Well, and then, so if his, if his plan was to get the lamp, he should have consulted with Jasmine, who is a wish-making expert, I assume, because the wish that he gives, that he, he says when he rubs the lamp is, I wish the queen gets exactly what she deserves. And, like, <sighs> nothing, nothing seems to change. I have in my notes, nothing seems to change, but I'm not necessarily entirely convinced that it didn't. Because technically, it's something that could pay off down the road. And when we yeah. talk about what happens to the evil queen, we can talk about, well, was that faded? Was that the wish? Blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I, I don't know if he thought he was being clever, if he was being more casual than he should have been when phrasing a wish. Um, but he's like, I already, she kind of describes like she got, already got everything she deserves. She thinks she deserves more than she's been getting. So obviously uh, she did deserve that David and Snow White were torn apart and that Emma was trapped in a wish. So in her mind, you know, she's already getting everything that, that she deserves and she's happy with that. But yeah, that that angers him. He puts the lamp down, charge like that. That's typical hero, just like she was typical being typical villain. Um, the one thing I don't know if you noticed, if, you, if you've still got it on your DVR, when David first walks in, the evil queen has her back to the door. And I was and and. And the only reason I noticed this is because, like, the cut uh, from the Emma's sword, the scar was almost directly under, like, literally, right, almost like right along the, the 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 eye socket in terms of where the cut was. And I went back and watched it just a couple a second time because it looked like it was maybe worse than we had when we had first seen it in the cemetery and when we had seen uh, her, you know, in the mayor's office earlier. So I was like, is that actually getting worse? Is that, is that a plot point? And mm-hmm. then she turns around and talks to David and the scar is a good inch and a half lower. It's almost like in her cheek as opposed to right up by her eye. That just kind of took me completely out of the scene. I mean, it was weird that in the beginning of the episode, she tries to like magic away the cut and it doesn't work, yeah. which makes me think that it's really like a magical instrument that even the most powerful magic can't get rid of. But Maybe that's not of significance. Maybe it was just sort of a continuity. Error it was definitely there. oh, you know, it was definitely a continuity error. <laughs> um, but it was like it was like it wasn't just like a slight shift. It was like literally up along the the eye socket and then drops a good inch and a half to be along the cheek. I was like, someone's got to check that stuff. <laughs> well, I think David also st- stumbled into the pitfalls of genie logic here where the thing you don't want to do with genies is use the most generic language possible because they usually find a loophole in this case the evil queen or i guess the the powers that be are able to he could have very easily said you know i wish the evil queen didn't have magic anymore i mean if we're using again aladdin slash fairly odd parents rules he can't <laughs> he, he can't wish for her to be dead but he could certainly wish a number of different fates upon her instead of just saying, yeah, just, I'm going to be poetic. I want to say I wish she got what she deserved. Yeah, that's really taking a complete – unless the logic there is I don't want to change fate. When you try to use wishes to change fates, to change destiny, to change reality, that's when you start to get in trouble. But if I wish that she gets exactly what she deserves, then at least you're maybe – course correcting a situation where you think you know the the evil queen was kind of ostensibly trying to get give herself a a happy ending and she doesn't necessarily stop she doesn't necessarily deserve a happy ending um so if she's if she is indeed trying to twist 
the stories uh, and her fate uh, to something that it wasn't meant to be by wishing that she gets exactly what she deserves. It's putting it at least maybe on more of a right path without making things too wonky. That's the only rationale I can put out to you, Mike Bloom. Well, let's talk about another bad fate that might be befalling some people here in Wishy Brook. As as you mentioned before, Regina attempts to incite Emma by uh, holding her parents' hearts hostage when she is not able to she crumbles instead uh regina crumbles the hearts as well it takes henry coming in and trying to throw a sword at her again very reminiscent of the yeah. pilot for emma to stop it via magic and emma realizes that the big trigger for her was when regina said she couldn't hurt henry and then everything just came flooding back what did you think about emma's epiphany in this scene well for me it was more like she she'd said that um she didn't want to see henry darken his heart by killing somebody and and i just it was kind of like a mixture of the two where she kind of where regina you know we see henry uh going to attack regina and regina being unwilling to attack him back and kind of standing there in supplication saying you know do what you must and it sounded like what emma emma was like well between that and the fact that she doesn't want henry to darken his own heart and to like take another person's life it's kind of a combination of all of this uh, that 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 caused her to suddenly uh you know turn savior again for lack of a better term and freeze the situation um i i do have to go back to the whole um what's in the box <laughs> this point where emma comes in and you know and regina thinks that she's oh i finally have incited you you're the hero you've you've come okay what's this it's the key to our kingdom i like how like, regina's like what you can't seriously, and she kind of takes the key and like, please just toss it over your shoulder. And she just tosses it. I'm like, yes, that's like the best response ever. So I was, yes. I was, I was extremely amused by Regina's uh, reaction to Emma just completely giving up and giving her the keys to the kingdom. Yes, so weak, so weak. And again, it'll be, it'll be fun to see Regina now sort of living with these consequences. It's, it's as if she sort of, uh, if you lived in a dream, if you were cognizant of being in a dream. And you just started doing all this rampant destruction to the world. And then it turns out that, oh, actually, now you're going to be living inside this dream and you have to face the consequences. It'll be interesting to see what the ramifications of her killing Snow White and Prince Charming are. Yeah, like I said, she's been, you know, playing this whole thing out like, well, we're going to kind of turn this off and it's never going to come on again. And so it's really there are no consequences here. But, you know, looking at the, you know, seasons, you know, 6B or whatever we want to call it. Are we six or seven, Mike? We're this six. Is six. We're okay. For some reason, I was. Why did I think I was seven? I think as a Walking Dead. I'm getting all my numbers confused. Um, the, but yeah, it's the, uh, it's, it, I I I'm not happy with having to see more time in a kingdom where the evil queen has actually killed people. So I'm, I'm hoping that we just get out of here after a couple more episodes. Well, you know, once upon a time is a show where very rarely people stay dead, except for Neil. So that's true. Who knows? Maybe they'll find a way to revive them. Here's a theory that I had for a brief fleeting moment in this episode with this next scene. So evil queen's walking through the street, right? She's boasting. She's proud. She sees a portal rise up in granny. She assumes it's Regina and Emma come back. Here comes our hooded figure, Regina or evil queen gets turned into a snake in a cage. Kurt, I am immediately thinking it's Jafar. So did Jafar I. Jafar has been in a couple of Agrabah flashbacks. We haven't really heard about him. We thought he might be manipulating the Oracle with the whole red bird, but we haven't heard from him since. Snake is the, in the staff. He's got to be back. But we were proven wrong. I had, I had thought the same thing. And even 
and I, I don't know if I had it. I think I had a um, when we see the hooded figure at the end of the episode walk into the pawn shop. I think I paused it to take notes on something, and I thought that I saw in like the paused frame like a staff that looked like a snake. So I had also kind of, but it, it turned out that it it wasn't. Um, so I even at the, up to that point, I thought that this was that this, this has to be Jafar. This that's an Agrabah viper in the cage that he just turned the queen into, right? So I, I was very, um, very, uh, pretty certain that it was Jafar, and very surprised that it wasn't. Well, I'm glad we were on the same page there. What do you think the ramifications are of the evil queen being turned into a snake? Do you think that? It's a dark magic that none of them can turn her back into. Do you think we're done with the evil queen for now? She's going to stay in her snaky form? Um, it depends on the motivation for having her turned into a snake. I, I'm sure that we'll get some sort of monologue about it uh, in the next half of the, the season. Um, but like, I can't see... And the reason I say we kind of have to, have to know like the reason why it's like the only reason I can see her being turned back by uh, well Gideon uh, is if he needs to work with her, but like what, like what's his feelings towards her? Um, I I just I just don't know. I can see like if if the magic if Gideon is somehow defeated, I can see her potentially turning back. Hope she's out of the cage at that point. Um, although technically the cage and the snake were summoned as one, so imagine if the magic goes away, the cage also goes away. Yeah, it'd be like the equivalent of like I don't know her legs getting chopped off if she gets out of the cage. Yeah, I think she she would she'd break the cage, but she'd be like bruised majorly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that at the very least we've probably got uh, no no queen in Storybrooke for at least several episodes. Which, again, I'm happy about. I love Lana Perea's performance to death, but I'm willing to give it a rest and yeah. really have Gideon come to his own as the big bad of the season. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we get a little bit of taste of Golden Bell here. They sort of decided to band up together to track down their son. It turns out that they found out Mother Superior has had something happen to her. She's bed-stricken. It turns out that while she was ten, she was dropping off the child somewhere, she was attacked, and the child was abducted by none other than the Black Fairy. Now, I already gave my thoughts about this. Kurt, what did you think about this reveal that the Black Fairy is going to be involved in a much larger capacity in this season than we initially thought? Um, I didn't expect it, but I liked that it happened, I guess is the best way to think about it. Although I think when thinking back to when he used the locator spell on the globe, I just took that to mean, like literally, this is the globe of the, this is the earth. And the fact that Gideon does not appear on here is like, well, he might be in another realm. So, and that's, and that's exactly what it was the the yeah. shadow realm which i guess we haven't been to i'm assuming it's not the underworld it's not the weird nether world that you go to when you're under a sleeping curse so that might be another place we explore in the back half of the season maybe it's the black and white world of dr whale although it's i really Kurt, just give need it to a get rest. It. i have to give it a maybe philip's soul is in the shadow realm um yeah i know it's we've I'm I'm fine with a new realm. I, it doesn't have to be someplace we visited. But it could that's be fine. interesting. I mean, if oh, that's go- where Gold needs to go next, and it'll be interesting at least. It was fun to see Gold. 
I'd say the most interesting aspect of the Neverland arc for me was watching Gold kind of take on his father and what he does with sacrificing himself at the end of that half season. So if it's another case where Gold has to face down with one of his nefarious parents, that could be another interesting showdown. (laughs) We just keep going further up the family tree. Like, and it turns out that his father's parents were actually (laughs) so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. Yes. It's going to turn out to be like Rumpel's great, great grandfather is just Satan. (laughs) (laughs) We've had Hades, but we haven't had Satan yet. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) So let's talk about this final Jasmine Aladdin scene. David is fuming about how things went. He he actually kind of invokes James's name and says that he feels he's as cruel as him for what he wished onto the evil queen. It turned. Go. You were going to say something about that. Um, I thought that again. This is, I think, heroic posturing. I think this is again. We've talked about the queen. It can't help but kind of play into uh, certain tropes that a villain's always, you know, the whole, you know, explain my evil plan, blah blah blah. I think he's got the same thing here, except from the the, the hero side. Although I, I do like the idea of the the fact that Snow White's just sleeping through this whole thing. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the thing. They they get the lamp the lamp back because let's remember Evil Queen just disappeared when she was overwhelmed by yeah. everyone. They say, "Hey, do you want to break the curse with your wife?" And he says, but, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> I think do, you think, do you think he wants more time in the man cave? Well, it's like he learned that. Okay, I need to. I need to learn how to phrase wishes properly because it did not work the first time. Um, so let like. You know, but then take the time to think about it. I mean, Jasmine, who's arguably the most familiar with wishes other than Aladdin, is like, "Hey, do you want to try this?" Like, if it wasn't possible, like, like I wish that the sleeping curse that was cast on us was broken, or maybe maybe it goes along the lines of trying to undo. We well, can't undo a wish with a wish, but this wasn't a wish. This yeah. was a spell. So, yeah, you, it, uh, it, no. it's different because if someone had said, "I wish that." Prince Charming and and Snow White have this weird curse where one has to be asleep at all times, then that makes sense. You can't undo it. But I think you could still <laughs> wish to say, hey, I wish this curse was undone. Yeah. Like, like I think you could... It's when you start doing and, and, but... That, you know, yeah, those conjunctions really are tough when making wishes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, I... <sighs> He just hands the lamp to Jasmine, and like we're we're done with that idea as, as a possibility. It's, it's tough because in one breath he says, "Oh, I I hope I'm not as cruel as my brother." Eh, you know what? My wife she can sleep for a while. <laughs> it's not the worst of curses, to be honest. No, but, but, yeah, I, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm happy that for a brief fleeting second that Josh Dallas and Jennifer Gomez were able to be awake on screen with each other. Now that they're both dead in the other realm, that's sort of out of the picture, but at least they got to do it for like a second. And to be fair, I think the points where they have shined the most is when they aren't forced to be in every scene together. I mean, it's Very always true. snow and charming. It's like, then you, you know, you can't, can't go bowling with your bros because you got to stick around with your, you know, wait, that's, that's <laughs> with a your unconscious show. wife. Yeah. Uh, so Aladdin and Jasmine disappear here. We have a nice mirroring of their first meeting with the, uh, the invoking of, do you trust me? We talked about this a little bit, they're proving a way to Agrabah. What do you think the chances are that we're going to have at least one more Agrabah-affiliated episode in the next 12 bunch? Oh, def- definitely. I, I, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be... Like, it almost seems like it's setting up for a you know, Aladdin and Jasmine you know, webisodes or something. There's a whole story here that's, that's got... Like, what happened with Agrabah? And 
and it's going to be fulfilled at some time. I'm assuming that it's going to be this uh, this season. It could be next season, but I can't imagine that this is something. I think if if they set this up and then never fulfilled it, I think it would be the biggest disappointment, especially given how much they've been building up Aladdin and Jasmine. Oh my! There's, God. Coming in five weeks, it's yeah. Aladdin and Jasmine. And let, I mean, I mean, it was to the level of it potentially. I could see it even like being a spinoff. To be completely honest, like this is such a big. If they didn't plan on revisiting what they do with Agrabah, there's so many other things they could have done to get them off the show other than to set up this whole mystery and then just let it fall flat. I mean, we talked a little bit about how they did that with you know Lily's father. I think maybe we expected that to be explored more than it was. But I, this is, I think, even bigger than that in terms of they've, they've got to do something with the uh, vanishing Agrabah. Absolutely. Again, because they kept saying like, Something's happened. We need to know, and we have no idea what happened. So I feel like we yeah. need to see and, it. If Jafar is not here, he needs to be there. So he needs to be involved somehow. And the whole backstory of you know of Aladdin losing his powers as the savior. I mean, there's 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 that whole thing too. So there, there's there's got to be more. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a final scene here between Gold and Bell, which okay. I don't know what to feel about because I've been talking this whole time beating this drum of you go bell stand up to your man tell him you don't need him Kurt I feel like we're getting in back into that on again phase when gold and Dude. bell agree to this sort of like tenuous friendship to agree to find their son together they're staying together for the kids Mike Oh my god! But, I really, re- I really hope, and I know it's going to happen, but I really hope it doesn't come around <laughs> to her falling in love with him again. The what the upside though is, I'm glad that Gold finally told her, "Hey, I didn't dose you. It wasn't me." He doesn't go fully and explain. You know what? It wasn't me. It was the evil queen. I confronted her. He, I, he should have gone. I think he should have gone at least that far. But at least he gets out the you know the fact that he didn't do this to her. It's on the table. It's on the table. Absolutely. So that's something that, again, we can probably talk about in what's to come. But if they have to do more Golden Bell stuff, at least they're exploring another realm, which might make things a little more exciting than just repeating the same things over and over again. Let's let's get to this Gideon reveal. How did you feel when it turns out that adult Gideon is the one under the hood and presumably will become the big bad of the back half of the season? I was very interested in this. I think because we we talked previously about us potentially seeing an adult Gideon uh, sooner rather than later. I even had in my notes here that when the moment that Gold says that she's from a dark a realm of dark power where time works differently, I have, for example, adult Gideon, um, and we have to be ready for anything. Uh, so I'm like, I was like, we're pro. I would I, that if you'd said if we'd stopped right there, I would have been like, what are the odds that we see an adult Gideon? in the back half of the season. I would be like 90% that we do. Um, I, I didn't, however, at this point, I was full on Jafar as the guy under the hood. Uh, so when that being walks in, I was like, oh, twist. <laughs> um, so I kind of liked it uh, from, from that perspective. And now, of course, there's all sorts of questions where, well, the thing is like, we know that Emma gets at, like assuming the visions are correct, we know that Emma gets out of the, uh, Wishy Brook, because we've got this vision that we have to somehow get these two in contention, in contention to. Um, so that's a little bit anticlimactic, but I'm really, I am interested in like what is his, 
plan how like what has the uh the 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 black fairy uh uh set him up to do and what like what does he think like is he completely brainwashed um so because it's not just necessarily that he's something like aged really quickly again it could be just a situation where you know time moves you know much faster there or much more slow i don't know technically how that would work where you know a, a year here I mean, you'd have to move instantaneously considering that she just took the baby but i mean they think about the chronicles of narnia where you know they they go into the wardrobe and if they're in the, if it feels like years in the wardrobe they come back maybe just 20 minutes has a have uh, elapsed in the spare room of the of the mansion i mean it could be kind of be the same thing where even though he's only been gone for a matter of hours or like, you know, let's say, let's say 24 hours, every hour could potentially be a year. And he's been now he's in his mid twenties. Um, so it, it could feel like 24 years to him. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to see. So I, I'm interested in seeing uh, the, as much as I don't like flashbacks, as much as I guess here a flashback would have been within the last 24 hours, given he was yeah. just taken away. Um, I, I do want the backstory more here. On, on on how he got here, as well as potentially backstory on the Black Fairy. Yeah, which I'm excited about. And I love this idea of Mr. Gold having to essentially like fight every member of his family at some point in Once Upon a Time. Because, yeah, something definitely stuck out about adult Gideon in his two appearances on the show so far. Whether it's a time travel thing or an instantaneous thing, the fact that he's now come from this realm with presumably a lot of dark magic is a really exciting factor. We're still... Not necessarily in half seasons, but it feels like we might have completed the Evil Queen arc and have now possibly moved into the Gideon arc, which makes me excited. And it also makes you wonder: like, is Dark One Itis is that a, a STD? Like, now does is, did he inherit that uh, as a child? That's true. Um, <coughs> is it? Yeah, is it hereditary? Yeah, it's, um, it's very true. We don't know is, if, if he's like as corrupted by the power of dark magic as his father is. And, and maybe it's just because I like literally, you know, don't ask me why. I'm like in the middle of watching season six of True Blood, where you talk about kind of lineage oh, of certain powers. I was that about are, to ask you why. Why yeah. did you get that far? Stop at like season four. But you talk about like the lineage of certain powers and like, is this something that he inherited from his dark one father? Uh, Is it something that the black fairy bestowed upon him? You know, the black fairy being a magical creature and technically being a relative, did it kind of travel that way? So um, we do know he does have magic apparently because he turned the evil queen into a a cobra. Uh, So so yeah, lots of questions here. Lots of questions. All right, well, let's finish things up here with our last scene as <laughs> Emma and Regina's opportunity to jump into the portal is stopped by Regina's longing gaze at, in this universe, a full-fledged, alive Robin Hood. The portal has closed, presumably screwing them for the moment. Kurt, seeing the return of Robin Hood here and assumingly in the back half of the season, if the previews are to be, le- be believed, what are your thoughts? They lied to us last year. <laughs> in terms, yes. in terms of, well, in, in terms, but like while uh, he cannot be bought, brought back and he's, he's completely eradicated, apparently Flashpoint alternate timelines are allowed here, uh, where they have plenty of just for men hair coloring. Yeah, and. I mean, obviously, I know you avoid promotional things, but I know that there had been some stuff with Sean McGuire kind of brewing about the past few weeks of, oh, Robin Hood will return, and it's not just in flashback. So I think there were hints of like something like this happening. 
I think it might have been the show trying to maybe mend fences with Sean McGuire, who I knew was not very happy with the way his character got killed off. He felt very unceremoniously exiting from the show. So maybe this was the show being like, no, we want to, you know, make sure we're good. We want to make sure Regina's happy for, you know, point two seconds. But I don't know that the puppy goo goo eyes that she gave him were very strange. I kind of obviously understand like seeing someone who's basically a ghost in front of you. It obviously draws your eyes away, but I, I was, you know, I was not feeling particularly happy with the portal closing because no. I felt like any sort of uh, any sort of uh, other possible storylines then closed off as well. Yeah, Emma did not go after Regina because Robin Hood had an arrow trained on technically both of them. But you know what, Emma? Just you know, three hours ago, you froze your son throwing a sword. So freeze Robin Hood, grab Regina, and throw her butt in the portal and get out of there. Uh, I thought for a second she was just going to jump in on her own, and then it would just and then it would just become a matter of like, how do we get Regina back? And then Regina gets torn as to like, and I'm sure this will come up in the back half of the season of. Do I'm happier here? Do I stay here, or do I go do what's right and go back and help defeat evil? And and I think we both also talked about the option was Rumpelstiltskin going to jump into the portal, which also then brings up the thing the the question of is the, will this portal transport non storybrookers? Like if if the you know can you go through um, uh, to the can you transport transport between alternate timelines? Can you uh, if there's already somebody who is you in the other timeline? Can you actually go there? It's like would it only work for Regina and Emma, or could Robin Hood have? Well, Robin Hood's technically dead in the other one, but could no, Gold I, have jumped I, I, I in? Could you, you have two Henrys? You know, you, I think you could because let's remember when Cora and Hook used the bean in season two. I mean, they were just random old enchanted forest people, and they were able to use them. But but that was that wasn't an alternate timeline though that was like a just like another like Uh, fantasy realm so like again if if let's let's say that regina's characterization of this realm as an illusion a hallucination i kind of think of it as a vr um uh if that's correct then like the the portal like everybody else would just kind of vanish when they entered into the portal because they're not real. So that's why I'm wondering, like, if they're not real, can they actually go back? Are they actually real? Could they go back? Could you bring, thing, bring things back? So, um, uh, But you know what? We don't know. Uh, yeah. we, we, they're they're going to have to get back at some way at some point, and we don't know if that's going to be through Magic Bean um, or some other deal with Rumpelstiltskin or a mermaid or a magic hat. <laughs> Stop me when I exhausted the list of ways we can transport. Um but uh, it, it will be interesting to see if there's uh, if Emma and Regina are the only things that go from Wishybrook to Storybrook. Yeah, I can't wait for the Oculus Swan to come out into stores soon. I, I I do have one thing that I was thinking about as we kind of wrap up this this half season. The land of untold stories just kind of got unceremoniously dumped about. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I wanted to sort of segue <laughs> into that talk about giving sort of our final takes on these yeah. first ten episodes here, and I will say one. I'm going to pick it as a major bone. I know some people were like, great, we don't have to deal with all these extraneous characters. We can finally go back to the show's roots and focus on the main group of people, which I'm totally fine with. I love when the show does old school stuff. They were doing it a bunch last season. They were doing it a bunch this season as well. That makes me very, very happy. 
but there were so many exciting opportunities with the Land of Untold Stories. Kurt and I talked in our feedback show for Season 5 about all the public domain stories, some probably a little cleaner than others, that can have characters be brought in. I thought there was some interesting stuff with the Count of Monte Cristo. Captain Nemo, maybe not so much. I, but liked, there were, I liked Captain Nemo. Or so, even like yeah. revisiting like Cinderella and her sisters and how these people got into this realm. I feel like we still know nothing about it, and I will say I think the worst decision that they made this season was killing off Jekyll and Hyde so early on in its run. Yeah, and that when they killed off Jekyll and Hyde, that's pretty much about the time when we lost the land of untold stories, right? Yeah, um, I mean, we had the, the Nemo episode was right and, after that, I yeah. believe, or a couple episodes after that, but... Yeah, I think Nemo was probably like the last glimmering thing of untold stories. If you don't count Aladdin and Jasmine, who I believe Jasmine was in the land of untold stories, technically. Yeah, and the is interesting because, like we talked about the end of season five when he's when Henry is going through that once upon a time book two, uh, you see illustrations of Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels, Don Quixote, uh, Paul Bunyan. So I had really been getting my hopes up that we and again. I understand there's people out there who are glad that we don't have these extraneous characters, but I, for one, that's one of the reasons I like the show is like, how do these disparate characters come and interact together? And I think every little group that you put in there gets a new story and yeah, let's see what sticks. And um, so I I, kind of wish that we had gone back to that. It almost seems like as much as we did walk away from having a, a mid season story arc conclusion, the Jekyll and Hyde story arc was almost like a mini story arc. And now we mm-hmm. we're kind of into the more uh, maxi story arc for the rest of season two. Yeah. So if I give my thoughts about the first half of season six overall so far, I'm honestly going to call it a mixed bag. I feel like for everything I liked about it, there was something of equal proportion that I disliked. For example, I loved getting into more of the savior mythology of finding out, okay, there were previous saviors. There's a chance for you to cut your ties with being the savior at the same time, I was not a fan of Emma withholding that whole stabby-stabby scene for a, an extended number of episodes. I loved having the evil queen back. Lana Perea, again, has does a phenomenal job as that character. She's so deliciously over the top. It definitely harkens back to season one. On the other hand, I didn't like that they basically have had nothing to do with her the past few episodes. It's essentially <laughs> her poofing into a scene, making fun of somebody, poofing out again, repeat ad nauseum. I want that character, but I want her to actually do things. Something I will commend this episode for doing was actually progressing on that plot where we really haven't been able to do so the past few episodes. Yeah, coming out of the last season, I was like, oh no, we've got the evil queen again. We just got Regina back to a point where we're starting to like her and and like... And, you know, this to me, um, Regina reverting back to her evil ways is not that different than the evil queen being pulled out of Regina and being evil. To me, they were like really, really close. I was not looking forward to the evil queen being in season six. And I was very surprised that I've actually kind of grown to like the the evil queen as the character alongside the heroes that we know in Storybrooke versus in the Enchanted Forest. So uh, I, I do just say that in terms of. Um, exceeding my expectations, the Evil Queen storyline, uh, I've I've been enjoying that more than I had expected to. I do agree with you in terms of uh, it, it, she seems kind of uh, neutered in terms of her power and what she can actually do. Um, but it's I, I'm curious now, like what does become of her? Is is it is it compl- is it a complete swap out of Evil Queen for Gideon? Uh, what are his motives? Um, you know. Because technically, you know, this is the last we saw of Gideon. You know, he was in dream sequences and a womb. 
Um, so we, he, he really, by no rights that we know of, should have any bones to pick with anybody in Storybrooke except potentially his parents. And, 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 and you think that it would be maybe skew a little bit more towards being upset with Rumpelstiltskin gold than with Belle. But we don't know what the, you know, his time with the, the Black Fairy has been like and what he, what's been going on there. He, he didn't, he looked a little bit, I don't know, almost a little bit more like, uh, uh, emaciated actually when he took the, the hood off. I think his cheekbones yeah, like, were more pronounced. like a different haircut. It's yeah. maybe that hood, that he was, had hood hair. It was, it was not a, I think the, the, the Gideon we saw in the womb dream sequences was a kinder, gentler Gideon in terms of even not not just in terms of his demeanor, but in terms of his physical appearance as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he's all about and what he's looking for. Um, but of course, I'm sure we were, we're not he's not just going to say it and we're not yeah. going to just be told or found out. It's probably going to be a good you know three or four episodes before we get a hint as to what his uh, objective is. Yeah, so I'll outline a few hopes that I have for the second half of the season. I hope that we spend three, four episodes max in Wishybrook. I really don't want this to become another season 2A where we have you know a couple of our characters in another place entirely and then the rest of our characters just sort of figuring things out as they go. You know, I was relishing that moment when the when the two met up in the Netherworld in season 2 and we finally got those characters to connect again. So I feel like we'd be traipsing that territory again. I hope that Gideon does not pull an evil queen and actually starts doing things. That he's he's not like skulking in the shadows for nine or so episodes until he finally reveals his plan. As you said, I really hope he becomes a domineering presence. I hope Jafar plays some sort of role in all of this. I feel like why bring back one of the most infamous Disney villains if you do absolutely nothing with him? At least pull a Cruella and make him certifiably insane. And I... I've, I'm going to, for you preview phobes out there, tune out for the next minute or so. I saw a ring in that coming up, Kurt. I'm wondering who that ring is for. I'm I'm hoping it's Emma and Hook, and it'll be interesting to see how that pr- relationship progresses. I really hope it doesn't turn into a thing of, and I hate crapping on the Rob and Regina relationship, but I feel like <laughs> you buried that in the ground, show, and you're exhuming it right now, and you're turning it into a zombie, but if they take Robin Hood back from the alternate universe and everything becomes copacetic, and then they get married, that would just be, that would be unquestionably like one of the stupidest things this, the show has done in my opinion and add on to that if that instantaneously mends the relationship between regina and zelina oh my god yeah just wrap it all up yeah the it's i think the things that i'm hoping for from the back half of the season are um a few dedicated episodes to or not even necessarily dedicated, but you could have some like crossover back and forth. But in uh, some Agrabah, Jasmine, and Aladdin episodes, I, I I'm really intrigued by you. Know, they they kind of set up a mystery that I want them to continue to explore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. Uh, that I, I think that's honestly the, the big thing. I I it, it's a pipe dream to think that we're gonna get more of out of the uh the land of untold stories. So I'm just kind of letting that go. If we did, I wouldn't hate it. Um. But uh, it'd be very friendship if we got something from that from that uh, from 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 the, the yeah. You would you would not be pissed. I would not be pissed. Um, but yeah, so uh, some Aladdin, some Jasmine, and I, I am hoping that um, we get some uh, more Black Fairy 
and uh, yeah. both in terms of flashback and outside of Storybrooke, as well as potentially a little bit in Storybrooke. I don't think I necessarily want gold and too much of Golden Bell going off on a quest to find their son. Uh, or not, not their son. Well, obviously they can't because he's come back. Uh, but in terms of like um, traveling to do something with the Black Fairy. Um, I, I, it's nice that he's that, that I think him showing up maybe has, has curtailed that, but I, I don't want them going off on some grand quest for the black fairy. I'd rather the black fairy come to Storybrooke and we only get, we can go to where the black fairy is in flashback form. Yeah. And this episode set up some really interesting, exciting things for the back half of the season. So I'm excited to tackle them, especially with you, Kurt. I want to thank you as always for coming on with me, being my intrepid co-host to talk about the good and bad of this show. I think as many gripes as we both take with it, we still enjoy watching it for what it is. And I am excited to come back in three long months to talk about the back half of season six. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's like, if I didn't enjoy watching it, I wouldn't be, you know, talking about it every week. With exactly. You. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're here because we love once upon a time, the ins and the outs, the nooks and all the crannies. And we hope you've been enjoying it as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your hopes possibly for the back half of season six. You have a bunch of ways to reach out to us to let us know that you can always leave a comment here on postshowrecaps.com. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed to our Once Upon a Time only feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. We always appreciate a rating and review there. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed to all the other stuff going on on Post Show Recaps. As Kurt tried not to spoil beforehand, Westworld has wrapped up some great coverage with Joe Garfine and Josh Wiggler, including a now-outdated finale predictions podcast that I appeared on as well <laughs> with my other Westworld podcast. Uh, Seinfeld... SNL, Walking Dead, all that is going on, and much, much more on Post Show Recap, so make sure you're locked into all of that. You can always check out us on Twitter as well. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Kurt is at Kurt Clark. If you want to find out some other podcast stuff we're doing, Top Chef Season 14 just had its season premiere this uh, about four or five days ago. Kurt and I just recorded a podcast about it with Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro with our recurring season coverage of Top Chef. It's a lot of fun. It I is. recommend even even if you're not a Top Chef fan, definitely check it out. It, and it's and if you if you if you've never watched a cooking competition show, uh, it's it's definitely really highlights the skills. I, I recommend just give the first two episodes of Top Chef season fourteen a watch. Listen to our podcast. Maybe it'll it'll run the route of the Utopia podcast where more people were watch, listening to the podcast than were watching the show. That's fine. We have a great time we uh, doing the podcast for that. I'm, I'm glad that we're back with that. But I honestly think if you kind of take take the time to check out the first couple episodes of season 14, uh, you'll you'll probably uh, get hooked in and 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 enjoy following along. Where's the honey, Chef Jake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a long stretch for me. Where are the bees? <laughs> Speaking of the long stretch of a podcast that we just did, Kurt, do you have a hashtag for people who made it to the end of this podcast? Yeah, can we stick with Rumplest timeline? <laughs> Let's go with Rumpelist timeline. Sure. And also let us know if you like the term Wishy Brook, because obviously we're yeah. going to be referring to it for a few episodes when we come back in the spring. So let us know if we should scrap it and come up with something else in the yeah. off season. But this is going to do it for now. We'll talk to you guys in another three months in the year 2017. So let us be the first to wish you a happy holidays. Have a safe end of your year. Thank you, as always, for listening. And remember, if you want to book something at Granny's, make sure you scribble it in on the communal calendar first. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.